0: Well, like I said, we have so many great stories and great pieces of audio, not just stories like, like this little nugget here. Let's hear this one, Kellen. Well, Kevin, 21 years old, good stick handler, plays the point with a lot of boys and has always seemed to come up with that good play to his wingman.
1: Great play by Callaghan, though, and, and Lowe, great anticipation from his left point spot. You know, he hit for the net, and Callaghan fed uh, him with a pass. We're going to see this one again. There, Callaghan
0: sits and waits for Lowe to get in that position. He had a little trouble uh, getting good control of the puck, but he got it on his backhand and uh, into the far corner to get the Oilers into this hockey game. Not much of a shot, but it certainly went over that line to give the, uh, the Oilers their... Hockey League by rookie Kevin Lowe. All right, there it is, Kevin. October 10th, 1979. The goal that briefly made you the Oilers' all
1: time leading goal scorer. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was Gary Dornhoff for doing the color, right? And he, yeah, he had it, not much of a shot. It was end over end. Over end. I'm not sure how uh, Tony Esposito didn't make that save, but uh, geez, I had, I've never heard that. And that was really, uh, really cool to hear.
0: Yeah, well, it's amazing what you can find on YouTube. So I'll give whatever channel owner posted that <laughs> credit for that uh that that goal for sure i mean you and like you guys were ex- like I, I sensed just watching that old clip like really excited like you guys were like okay we the franchise the first goal there it is we did it
1: well not really it was like, we we're down to nothing and right. getting hammered by the blackhawks you know 10 minutes in the first period so it was, it was more like you know we stopped the bleeding and uh But, you know, the story I've told a number of times is, and that's the way I perceived it, we got together, all right, we're back in this game, and then, of course, Gretz comes into the fold, and he's picked up the puck, and he's handing it to me, and he's, here, Kevin, I got got you the puck. I go, well, that's great. You know, thinking, oh, yeah, that's right, that's my first goal in the NHL. And he's looking at me, he goes, "That's that's the Oilers' first goal in the history of the NHL. I'm like, okay, never thought of that, you know? Only Wayne Gretzky would think of that at that time, but... Um, yeah, and then later on, of course, you know, he kind of joked about it, he tipped it, uh, and, and I always thought I never saw the replay, and I always thought, so what happened was, the, it, as it turned out, Wayne was behind the net, lo and behold, his first behind the net assist over to Cal get Brett Callaghan on the wall in the half wall, and then I kind of jumped in and got on my forehand and just, you know, blindly threw it at the net and went in the net. And, I, and so Gretz, over a few years, said, you know, I touched that. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you didn't touch it. You couldn't have because you you're on the half wall. And then I saw a highlight of it, like, about a year ago. And I said, holy crap, Gretz was right beside the net like he could have touched it and maybe didn't say anything, you know? I thought it hit the Chicago guy and, and f- fluttered
0: in because it kind of, looked like it banked up in the air a little bit okay. but anyway
1: so gretz didn't touch it then i'm gonna
0: say no okay. i'll Good. make the official right. score call on it. st- it's still your goal kevin as far as, <laughs> as, far as i'm concerned okay i want to ask you about something and you told me this i don't even know if you remember but for some reason we were talking in the hall of fame room a few years ago i don't even know if we were doing an interview that when you were drafted by the oilers it was not like now where the drafts this huge event and everybody's there that you didn't even find out until later in the summer or there was like it wasn't this all this hubbub and glitz and glamour
1: that's part of it for sure so the draft was postponed because you know unbeknownst to me anyways and probably you know a lot of hockey people didn't or fans didn't even care because you didn't know about it in those days the NHL was negotiating with the WHA teams to to merge so they put everything off and there were some challenges legally on the draft things were happening as a result. The 1979 draft year had underage players in the draft for the first time Ray Bork was an underager and Tom McCarthy and I I want to say Paul Reinhardt but anyhow. Um, but the, the, what I didn't know was when Alan Eagleson, who's my agent, so it was it was done by phone, so we weren't there, and I waited around uh, patiently or impatiently, hearing when I was going to be drafted, and when Eagleson phoned me, he said, well, you got your wish, you were a first-round pick, and, and I said, well, you know, what pick? And he goes, oh, it doesn't matter, you're a first-round pick. I said, well, to who then? And he goes, the Edmonton Oilers, and I, I said, the Oilers, Edmonton Oilers, they're not in the NHL, are they? Because... We really didn't know what was going on, uh, and and uh, uh, you know the, the rest was, I guess, kind of history. Had never been further west than London, Ontario, and and uh, you know to think that uh, we had, we had, you know, I knew Chicago was interested, I knew Boston was interested, I knew Minnesota was interested, and Atlanta, and you know at the time was I a little disappointed, yeah, because Edmonton wasn't a sort of a you know original NHL team, but. I guess it turned out all right. Yeah,
0: man. Imagine if Atlanta would have drafted you. You would have wind up being a Calgary Flame. That <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we won't think about that too much. I, John Shannon was just on the show, and you, you know, and I, and I had Mac T on my show last night, and he emphasized you treat everybody the same. You you know, it doesn't matter someone's status or. Why they want to talk to you, you try to beat everybody everybody you try to treat everybody the same, and John said the same thing and john that's John believes that a lot of that came from your mother and i 'm wondering if you can just touch on maybe not if it doesn 't have to be just your mom but the impact of you know family in your life and shaping you
1: yeah, my upbringing for sure you know my father passed away when I was thirteen, but um he was very uh he was the youngest of nine uh but he he was really, uh, the, you know, the energy behind the family, um, the wonderful family and, and, uh, we're all sort of had the same DNA or at least he did. And then, it you know, eventually came to the 36 of my generation uh, where, you know, we're just an average family, but a lot of respect for people and really we're blessed with what we have. We weren't wealthy by any stretch, middle class family, I guess, but we had everything we needed. And, uh, you know, we respected people, and I saw a lot of that my dad and then later on my mom. And, uh, yeah, I owe, owe so much to them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Kevin Lowe joining us on the Face Off Show. We're getting you ready for the Predators and the Oilers at 6.30. I want to ask you about uh, some specific people. I'm just going to throw out a name here, first of all. Lee Foglin.
1: Yeah, I just talked to Foglin about uh, 45 minutes ago, yeah. Uh, I can't really say enough. So, uh, as it turned out, Fogey had this had Alan Eagleson as an agent as well and in those days uh, the way it worked with Alan Eagleson is that when you became you know under his guidance uh, he would directly put you in contact with an accountant who would um, you know would essentially make sure you weren't spending your money in the wrong places and do your taxes and kind of simple stuff that we weren't equipped to do at that time and and so the uh, the accountant that that uh Alan Eagleson put in charge of me was the same accountant for Lee Foglin. His name was Marvin Goldblatt and uh, Marvin uh, was an interesting guy, no doubt. Uh, and he phoned Lee up and said, listen, I I met this guy a few times, this young guy who's coming to your team and I, I think he's a really nice guy and I think you should keep an eye on him. And, and Lee just reminded me of that story and, of course, we ended up being defense partners and became very close. But. Uh, I owe so much to him. Um, he taught me the game. Uh, he taught me how to, you know, behave professionally and, um, and uh, probably more than anything, he taught me how that, you know, you play for keeps out there and and don't take any prisoners, so, uh, which I think were all sort of part of what I became.
0: Okay, George Lerac, and I know you were getting set up, so you didn't hear the whole story. George Lerac said you guys were roommates, so you were later in your career, he was a young guy, and he said you were not enamored with his snoring.
1: <laughs> George. Yeah, uh well, George is he's full of life, you know. I, I just I mean I'm I'm it takes all kinds to do anything, you know, and and uh a lot of people read George the wrong way I I just I loved his energy you know sometimes he had to be reminded that uh when he was running out of the dressing room to deliver cookies to her kindergarten it's like no George that's great that's fantastic you're doing that stuff but maybe wait a couple hours and spend you know another 45 minutes and try to drop a couple pounds you know kind of thing uh just you know he just had to get sort of his priorities straight but he uh George was a weapon I mean he 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 played so well for us for a period of time. I mean, we when I I coached the one year, and if if you know if the team just wasn't it wasn't there, it'd throw that line out, and they could just you know he'd fire up the fans. They they had Bo Devereaux and Jimmy Dowd, uh, two smart players, and they'd get the puck over to George, and he could cycle in the corner, and he would he was a momentum changer, you know, playing on that line, and and uh, sorry we lost him, you know, because we. Um, you know, we we missed him. We missed what he brought. He was a better player than people gave him credit for. He was more than just an enforcer. And, and I'm glad to see he's doing well. Like, he's, he's uh, you know, you wonder about guys when they retire, but he seems to be flourishing and just being George LaRock. Yeah, his personality is always a joy. You know,
0: Kevin, obviously you're, you're so associated with the Oilers and five Stanley Cups. You won a cup with the Rangers as well. I want to ask you this, and I, and I I could be totally off base with my perspective of it, but that's why I want to ask you, because the Oilers throughout the 80s had a, had a core of players, and I know, you know, Wayne and Andy and Paul eventually moved on, but still, you had a core of players. You sort of became a family, grew up together, and became champions. The Rangers, to me, seem the exact opposite. They seem like a team that was assembled <laughs> you know solely for the purpose of trying to win that cup and end that long drought am, am i right that like maybe there were different vibes or it was a different sense of team building in those situations
1: uh yeah it, it might on the outside appeared that way but of course mark had been there for a few years already jeff book been there adam graves so a lot of that oiler way uh, mark was trying to instill in that organization and uh, i got there in december of 92 and things weren't good. They were they were a good team prior, but uh, how should I put it? Mark was disenchanted with the leadership. And so it was a it was an abysmal year. And then they made the change and brought Mike Keenan in, I think, largely due to Mess's input. And um, uh, it became started to become more of what Mark visioned. I mean he he put his he put his reputation on the line there, uh, to to go all in. Um, you know, to encourage uh Neil Smith, the general manager, to make deals for Mac T and Essa ticking in and Andy. And uh it paid off. But but there was a group great group of guys. Like we we were older for sure, but Steve Larmer, Jay Wells, um uh, uh, Brian Noonan, uh, um Greg Gilbert, uh could go Doug Litster. I mean just want, like you know, some of the better people in the game. So um yeah, just we hadn't spent a lot of time, but there was a lot of veteran players that, like, clicked as as uh, respecting one another and spending time together pretty quickly. How are you feeling about Friday? I mean, it's actually going up there. I mean, it's
0: been some people have wanted it. I know you've been asked about it off and on over the years in the Hall of Fame, and now like it's all happening. Like, how is this week for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been awesome. You know, I I don't. I Particularly love the attention, to be honest, but uh, you know it is what it is. Um, I'm happy for my family and some of my closest uh, my friends and 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 really the people who have been supporters of mine. You know, and I get a lot of calls that, and and a lot of you know messages. Hey, we're 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 happy for you. So um, that makes me feel good, and 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 I just I mean pleased as punch to be up there with that group of guys. Uh, um, hopefully forever until uh, who knows what whatever looks like. But, um, um, I, it, you know, when, when I actually made the decision, you know, in early into my 10 years at GM that, uh, to silence a couple media guys that were pushing for, you know, my Jersey to go up there. I'm like, that's not happening on my watch. <laughs> it's, you know, not, in a, you know, so we said, well, you got to be a Hall of Famer to get in and, and, uh, and, uh. I would have been fine uh, not being a Hall of Famer and not having my number up there because, um, you know, just pleased with, you know, the, the success we could have. And the memories are always there. It's, you know, it's not so much about statues and homages and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, for me, the memories are, you know, in my gut.
0: Well said. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen you wear a Stanley Cup ring. Not that you and I have had
1: tons of interaction yeah. over the years. Will you have one on Friday? Or where are they? No, I well, the five of them for the Oilers are in the Hall of Fame room. They're on display, right? They're on display, yeah. And my, my sixth, my brother-in-law wears it. Um, and, no, I, I just don't. I wore it for first couple years, but they're kind of gaudy, and I'm not really a jewelry person, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> Which is kind of sad because they are beautiful. I mean, I have the the three Olympic rings are beautiful. Like the one from Sochi is incredible, diamonds and stuff on it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's not. That's not my thing. Well, Kevin,
0: congratulations. This is such a great honor for you. It's it's totally deserved, and we always appreciate when you drop by. You're welcome on the show anytime. If you're ever just walking by the booth, pop on in. Yeah, thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. That is Kevin Lowe, Oilers and Predators at 630. This is the City Ford Faceoff Show.